Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Fox Lee would be doing the introduction, but her dog ate her homework. Uh, yeah, the dog. It was the dog. Jeb Wrench had an introduction, but his uncle from Nintendo needed it for something. Well, you needed to get the, 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 the rest of Pokemon Go back from the other companies that, that own it so that they could get those stock points back. And I would provide you with an introduction, but you see, I already did this class, so it wouldn't be fair on everyone. Hey everyone, how you been doing? Okay, what? Huh? what is this? What is this? I like how, I like how Fox has triumphantly returned. I, I have. <laughs> last last week, well, not last week, last fortnight, we had the episode with Amber as our guest star, and someone was off literally walking around in the park with my nephews, I learned after the fact. <laughs> this was quality family time, accidentally. Yeah, I... I'm probably a bit of an ass for not being there. <laughs> I went to a Pokemon Go walkabout event in town. Because I'm that kind of nerd. There are walkabout events. Well, there was one. Whether or not there's going to be another, I don't know. I mean, I'm not at all discounting the possibility that Pokemon Go straight up vanishes before too long. Mm. Has it? Has it? No, it hasn't. <laughs> I haven't heard much about it lately. There's nothing exciting to say about it anymore. I think. I think the last thing I heard was that it doesn't work anymore. Okay, so there's still pointless hyperbole you can make about it. <laughs> it's a video game. Of course there's pointless <laughs> That's hyperbole. That's what we do in these parts. But yeah, like now that everyone... I have literally paid to make pointless hyperbole. It is my job. For what it's worth, you do pointful hyperbole very well, and I like your writing, and I think you're good. Yeah, I mean... You're lying. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many articles that actual real-world non-nerd publications can publish about, hey, stupid people cause accidents when they play mobile games badly. Pokemon Go did briefly hit that Dark Souls level of public discourse, which is everything not related to Pokemon Go was getting related back to it. You'd see... Yeah? In political news, you'd see Pokemon Go references. One presidential candidate in the United States said it's time to get everyone to Pokemon Go to the polls. And that may be the most painful grandma thing you've heard in, recently. In World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, yeah! In World Wrestling Entertainment, Ron the Truth Gilling's current gimmick is that he can't stop playing Pokemon Go, including during matches. Well, that gimmick is not gonna age badly at all. Please, it's wrestling. <laughs> you, it only takes seven years for a gimmick to wash up. To, to, to be recycled. Yes. Which, you're saying they're going to do this again in seven years' time? They, they'll find another They'll find another person to get obsessed with whatever is popular at the time, yep. and they'll do that again. Oh, it won't be go. I see. Hell, check back seven years ago. I will guarantee you there was some wrestler who was hard on a fad that was going around. Go back another seven years, you're going to find some wrestler who was obsessed with pogs. I think it was what was popular in 2009. Anyway, wrestling tangent aside. Hey, Jeb. What was popular in 2009? Poverty. Oh. Oh. Poverty never goes out of style. Too real! <laughs> oh, sorry, Let me I... tell you about the wrestler named Homeless Jimmy. <laughs> oh, that's probably not a joke. They flash cut to Ted DiBiase, who is at this... Who, who is broadcasting now live from his basement after all of his stocks crashed. Anyway... Hey Jeb, what you been playing lately? Uh, I don't remember. Okay. Hey Fox, what you been playing lately? You mean aside from Pokemon Go? <laughs> aside from Pokemon Go. Which I have mixed opinions about, but the important thing is I chose the right team leader. <laughs> I see. Look, if there's a sweet, goofy one, a sexy, mysterious one, and and a, a hot, neat everyone on Tumblr thinks she's a lesbian one. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah, well, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Um, I found... My sister is blue. She's a traitor. Uh, oh my goodness, there's there is family concerns about yeah, this Yeah, so team. is your sister. Your nephews are dead to me. <laughs> I'm 
quite comfortable that my five-year-old nephews aren't making decisions based on sex appeal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they chose the sexiest one. Oh. Accidentally. There there were silhouettes at this point, don't worry. Apparently there's a ton of yellow gyms where my sister lives, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a thing that happens around here. It's kind of funny. Like, for all that this game is really dumb and pointless and the actual gamiest parts of it aren't particularly fun, they just keep being weird, interesting things like that that keep me involved with it. And lied, by the way, my sister isn't blue, she's yellow. Your sister is blue, my sister is yellow. Okay, but which anyway, one's uranium? I don't know what that means. Uh, it's a type of flower? Gives you cancer, I'm pretty sure. You're, no, I know what uranium is, I don't know what being uranium means in any kind of context here. Pokemon Uranium is a fan Pokemon mod that came out this week that has a level of work put into it that generally doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, like mods. five minutes a year for nine years. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Does the RPG it's make a one? really... Yes. Oh, it, it is. is okay, right. yep. They get the Pokemon math wrong. <laughs> nah. We've known the Pokemon math forever. To, to be they fair, wrong. to be fair, I was there when we were testing Red, Blue, Yellow on physical Game Boy carts. Game Freak got the Pokemon math wrong at times. <laughs> But we've known the Pokemon math forever. Yes. More or less. It changes a little bit every game, but not a lot. Mm. This is is based on 4th Gen. Yeah. So uh, however long ago that was. Quite a few years. Um, It does does really terrible things. Like, almost every trainer's... Every trainer has Pokemon that do a set, that have like a set damage move, like you know, like uh, Nightshade or whatever. You know, yeah. does the amount equal to the level. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what your resistances are, or your type choosing. It's like nope, just deal forty, deal forty, deal forty, fall over, you die. Excuse me, I uh, I think you'll actually find that Generation Four was the DS generation, Diamond and Pearl, uh, round for being largely unremarkable. Except that it's the first generation to have mustache. Get back in the locker. <laughs> there is. They, they, they add a new type. What? Is it radioactive? nuclear. Yeah. It, oh, yes, God. it is. They're regular Pokemon, but they are black and green. And they resist all types of moves. What and, a Or no, sorry, no. Oh. They do not. They, they're weak to all types of moves. And they're super effective against all types of Pokemon. These but are... you can't control them. Oh. Oh, dear. Because that's how balance works. This is a great idea. <laughs> From where I'm sitting right now, I can look over at the whiteboard that sits next to my basic, desk with all basic, the games I've made this month. Uh, common the made common this fucking squirrels that you meet. Yeah. Common fucking squirrels that you meet have moves like extreme speed. <laughs> Guys, this is why fanfic is still made fun of. <laughs> I will say I will say two good things about it. There is there is one uh, new like fish Pokemon evolution chain. One's called a fry. <laughs> and it's like a little daggerfish. Yeah. It evolves into a sidine. <laughs> yeah. And then the final evolution, that's its ultimate form, is the legendary Daikatuna. <laughs> All right, fine. So it's got new Pokemon as well. Daikatuna. Daikatuna. <laughs> Look, uh, wait, when it comes to... Another, it, also has, it also has another Pokemon that is literally the fucking Titanic crashing into an iceberg. Look, when it comes to... When, when it comes to uh, Pokemon as a game, it's one of those games that's that's it's very easy for end game players to completely lose track of the idea that this game was designed as a game for experience. Children. Well, no, no, not, not just for not just for children, but the fact that there well, are crap moves designed for children. Oh, yeah, it is. But 
the other point being that there are a lot of people, like, you'll see this especially in Magic the Gathering communities where they'll see a card and they'll be like, well, why does this card even exist? It's just a worst version of this other thing. And the response to that is because we needed it here and we needed it now. You know, we didn't want that other card. We didn't want everything to be at that same level all the time. You knuckleheads. And Pokemon has this vast wealth of shit moves and in some cases slightly shit Pokemon which are all there to make up the structure of the game rather than wouldn't it be great if everything was a fucking Salamence. <laughs> well really when you come down to it all we really need is a flamethrower type move for every element <sighs> and a rat that can use it. And that's why uh, Gold Silver Crystal was initially quite broken. Hey? Alakazam could learn all three punches from the previous game. You traded it back and traded in and you had an al- and it all based off um, special. It all based off um, um, special stats so Alakazam could learn all four elemental punches go back to red blue yellow and dominate the tournament scene there by just being an Alakazam that could do elemental damage to of every type that you cared about so in gold silver it couldn't learn those in gold but silver, you could trade it in with them in gold silver it could learn those moves and get traded back to red blue yellow oh christ <laughs> yeah red blue yellow died fast ah. <laughs> oh God. anyway yeah so Pokemon Uranium not not a great idea um I I haven't actually played this game but I'd like to talk about it because I think that it's incredibly interesting and I've looked at the prices for it and I won't be able to play it anytime soon. There's a price? Uh, it's not It's not a digital game, in fact. It's a physical game. It's a card. It, it, it's You're a table. about to talk about another game. Yes. I thought you were talking about Pokemon Uranium. No, I wasn't talking like, about it. Jesus shitting Christ, how did they swing actually charging money for this? This is going to go badly for them. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm talking about something else. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to talk about a game that I didn't play this week, but I'd still like to bring it up because I think I want to tell Jeb about it and it sounds amazing. It's a tabletop game. It's not a video game. And its price point puts it well handy out of the pl- out of the realm of, ooh, get it for Jeb for lols. Or even get it for myself for lols. It's called Captain Sonar. Have you heard of this, Jeb? I have never heard of it. Okay, so Captain Sonar is a submarine game. It Go is, on. Yeah. It's played by a team of either two, four, two, two groups of four, or two groups mm-hmm. of three, or two groups of two, or if you're particularly obsessive, a pair of people opposing one another. And in Captain Sonar, there are no dice, there are no cards. You have boards, and you have marker pens that wipe off. Mm-hmm. And you have four roles where you have a captain who determines where the ship goes. You have a first uh, officer who determines what the ship is doing with its energy as it moves. You have the ship's engineer who is responsible for making sure everything is running and then you have the radio officer who is tracking movements of the other team. And you're doing this you're doing this in one table with a cardboard divider between you with the the rolls on opposite ends of the table. So the radio officer on one one side is sitting on the far (laughs) right and the radio officer on the other side is sitting on the far right. So they're as far away from one another as they possibly could be. And what the radio officer is trying to do is listen to the other team's captain announcing their movements and they're writing it down on a blank piece of acetate on a grid that they're moving around to try and determine where the enemy ship is based on its movements. And every turn, the captain the captain can just simply say, uh, move forward, sorry, sorry, move north, one square. And, you know, then the first officer's like, uh, and when we move north, we're going to charge 
one torpedo. Okay, cool. And uh, the engineer's like, okay, that spends this one resource. Okay, fine. And we, we can move again, Captain. And the Captain's like, okay, move north again. And, and, and so there are all these islands you can't move through. So the enemy is writing down your movements and then trying to wiggle that like map of where you've moved oh. all around the map to see, are you moving around an island? Are you moving weirdly to avoid a thing? Did you notice one of our mines? And it's doing all this in real time. <laughs> There's no turns. So this is happening as quickly as you can. And the only things you have to say aloud, like really obviously, is the commander offering, is the captain telling movements. And at any point where someone's like, we've got a firing solution, we're going to hit you kind of thing. Like, those are the only two things you have to make it a public note of. Mm-hmm. So everything else is being done in this sort of, captain, I think right. All this mumbling and all this kind of low key. And then you, you know that the other player is looking across and going, why is their engineer whispering to the captain? Um... Today on games that are broken by sign language. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah, and, and yeah, tapping it out, and and I, I I find this entire idea of a game just so wonderfully interesting. And then you throw into that that it has systems that like break every single turn. The the ship is under strain, and the engineer has to sit there going like, okay, uh, we moved one square north. Okay, I need to break something in this quadrant or, or this quadrant. And slowly the ship gets more and more shaky unless things get linked together. And it's a fascinating puzzle of a game happening in real time while players are frantically trying to determine how how many taps was that? Was that was that three taps? Was that huh? huh? No, no shit. And it's sounds like it submarine games are something that have been in video games for years and tabletop games tend to handle them as these giant clunky mathy beasts that make 18x as they should be well (laughs) but they make 18xx games look approachable uh and and captain sonar just sounds like a real oh and because captain sonar is all on just these sheets whenever you want to play there's no like okay we need to put the little dice into this container it's just like you pull it out you stretch out the divider you grab the sheets you give everyone a a a text and that's it. it just so we could, in theory, play that on tabletop. So. Hypothetically, we could. We'd, we'd need a. We need real time Skype like setup. Can you? Jeez, I don't. I have no <laughs> idea how you would talk to someone oh, in real time over the internet. <laughs> Can you move an overlay on that? Um. Yeah, that'd be the trick. Like, cause cause the thing with the the radio officer is they have two sheets. One of which is a blank sheet of of um. I won't, I almost said aspects, but I think that's a Greek hero. <laughs> Isn't it uh, a fluid that you make peaches in or something? Yeah, probably. But yeah, Captain Sonar looks really cool. I- I've obviously been a little more into the tabletop than the video game side of things because if I start talking about video games I've played, I'm just going to embarrassedly confess that I've sunk 400 hours into the swindle. Again? This like week. Like since we last spoke? I, uh, yeah. I apparently am the person in the world who has played the most of the swindle. <laughs> That's very strange. That is pretty fucking strange. Mm. Yeah, else is strange. Sat. No Man's Sky. Uh, uh. Now, for the last 12 years, you've all been asking yourselves, what is No Man's Sky? But No Man's Sky is out now. It exists. It is a real game. And I've been playing it all week. And, um, it's not very often that I play a game all week. <laughs> if you somehow haven't heard about what No Man's Sky is yet, No Man's Sky is, it is a game about exploring space and discovering stuff on planets and going to more planets and going through more space and you find stuff on the planets to help you go to more planets and find more stuff. So extremely annoying voice. It's a lot like Minecraft, but that sounds more like Pokemon Go. <laughs> it's the Dark Souls of It's the Dark Souls of Pokemon Go, but Minecraft is what it is. Um, 
there, there's a, there's crafting and mining, which of course immediately means that it is compared to Minecraft. Naturally. Because that's how it works. Much like other games which feature crafting and mining, like all of them now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I love that Battlefield has crafting in it now. <laughs> you can bet that's the real reason that Breath of the Wild is, is doing this open world survival RPG thing. <laughs> but yes, No Man's Sky. Uh, there's aliens to encounter. There's really it's a trading game. It's a it's a it's a, an economic game. You make money by finding resources and materials and stuff and selling them for a high price and buying bigger ships to carry more stuff. <laughs> and uh, it is very relaxing and it's full of really breathtaking events like the like uh, a sunrise over a completely unknown alien landscape is something that's no matter how many times you see it it's gonna be different every time and it's still gonna catch you it's a game of moments and the moments are really good mm -hmm. and it's those moments that make it so that the parts that are more repetitive the the the, the little pond hopping from outpost to outpost to find more stuff it keeps that from getting irritating now you know i love using the word meditative when i talk about video games but i'm observing a lot of people reflecting on a very very peaceful, calm approach to playing the game. Motherfucker, they ain't been to an aggressive sentinel planet. <laughs> hey, what's planet? Like, oh shit, aggressive sentinels. There are robots who are sentinels. out to kill you. They are robot dogs with laser foreheads. Let them win. <laughs> no, Nothing's better than I robot dogs. I run away. What about angel dogs? Mm, they got robot bits, they cyborgs. No, they've got beautiful, beautiful wings and nimbuses of light. And anyway, lasers. yes, and lasers. Definitely the lasers. Okay, if they still have lasers, maybe. They're such a little kid sometimes. <laughs> well, I understand all dogs go to heaven, and I assume that includes robot dogs. So oh, I see, I see. So yeah, uh, it, it has its it has its panicky oh shit stuff as well. Mm -hmm. uh, one time I was heading towards a new planet in a brand new system I had just warped into, and I got the message that hostile pirates were about to warp to my location. So I only had a few moments to make the jump back to hyperdrive. <laughs> Did you get to shit mines before you left? I didn't even come. I didn't even get anywhere close to the planet hmm. because they were hostile pirates on my ass. <laughs> and you know the what? Idea. There's a giant. <laughs> There are there are there are literally quintillions of other places I could be right now. Mm. Uh, for those of us who aren't familiar with the scale and scope of No Man's Sky, can you give us a quick rundown on how big it is? Lots. <laughs> it's lots big. Space, Jeb said, is big, really big. Very, really big. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't really care how big it is and how many other places there are that I could be. I, like Nick, I, I fucking warped here. I don't. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I hope I want to learn more. feel that possessiveness. <laughs> yes, but I I'm feel, usually possessive I, I feel of my some, skin. I feel I, I tend. It depends on the planet itself. If I get an attachment to it, like if it's the, the more lush wildlife and and plant life that's around, the more compelled I'll be to 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 hang around and explore more. But there's still really cool like crags and caves and stuff. I found one place that was basically like a Christmas planet. <laughs> How how does that look? Well, okay, the Fire the, the soil was and... the soil was red and blue and everything was kind of like pine trees. And then you go into a cave and all the stalactites are glowing different colors like tins, like Christmas lights. <laughs> and it was minus 90 degrees centigrade. <laughs>
Well. So being outside at night would kill you? See, this would have worked well if I had initially got to make my Christmas jokers. What? It's like Christmas, so everything is on fire and it's inhabited mostly by prawns. <laughs> With some tartar sauce, maybe. <laughs> Thousand Island dressing, if you're classy. On prawns? Yeah. Weirdo. Yep. The Thousand Island dressing on hamsters. Huh. Anyway, uh, yeah, so you've been having fun with No Man's Sky? You could say that. I've been playing nothing but it uh, <laughs> this week. Um, I even stopped playing the Elder Scrolls card game. Which, which, by the way, there's an Elder Scrolls card game. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I seem to remember at one point uh, an owl landed at our window holding a note that said, <coughs> I've been accepted into the Elder Scrolls card game beta. Pray for me. If you never hear from me again, know that I loved Allison. <laughs> that was basically it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was saved by No Man's Sky, thankfully. Um, saved? Yeah, saved. <laughs> well, um, Allison's in space, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I named one of I named the first planet I found after her. Awesome. Aww. And it is literally named that forever for anyone else who finds it. Right, this is like a... It's not a multiplayer game, per se, but it's a shared universe? Sort of. Well, you see, naming uh, planets is a lot like placing, so- placing soapstone in Dark Souls. Yeah, that, it actually kind of is. That's actually all I've got. I was hoping someone would cut me off with a yell. Anyway. <laughs> I uh, thought you were making a joke. Well, no, you're not entirely wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you name your planet and you upload it to... This is the way I understand it. I'm not sure if that's actually how it works, but it uploads that information to, the, to a database. And then anybody else who comes to that planet pulls that information for the planet. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like the same tools have become made, made available to the same group of people at roughly the same time. Somebody's left their Dragonite guarding that planet. <laughs> so the next th- next time I go to a system with three, with three planets, <laughs> I need to name them Instinct, uh, the, the other ones. <laughs> Valor and I believe Cheese. I thought yes. you were gonna say headbutt, Middleton, and legs. <gasps> I've been betrayed. <laughs> By the way, instinct is team cheese. Oh, okay. they're yellow. Oh, you don't have blue cheese. I certainly don't have blue cheese. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, Hearthstone and Soulforge got drunk and fucked, and uh, uh, Hearthstone took care of the kid because um, there's a whole lot of Hearthstone in uh, in the Elder Scrolls uh, Hearthstone. Um, <laughs> That was deliberate, right? It's mechanically the same game. One of the problems that it, that Elder Scrolls Legends has that it is mechanically the same game as Hearthstone. Yeah, that was the concern. It does one. It does do a couple things differently. There are there's uh, there are two lanes on the battlefield, right. which is where the, the comparison to Soulforge comes in. Um, creatures can be summoned to either lane, and creatures within one lane can only attack creatures within its lane. All right, or or the other player. Um, the 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 lane on the right is the shadow lane, I think it's called. And any creature summoned to it gets cover for a turn, which means it can't be attacked until its next turn. Which means that you can use, like, the big, huge nine power, nine attack, one defense creatures a little bit more safely. Yeah, that, that, that is legitimately an interesting idea. I liked it the first time I saw it in Battlefield 1942. <clears throat> Sorry, just random board game shade there, I guess. I don't know why I did that. Well. Uh, there's also... Uh, a system of uh, something like this. There are also rune stones, and what the rune stones are, you start with five of them that go with your thirty life. Every five life you lose, one of your rune stones breaks. Okay. When when one of your rune stones breaks, you draw a card. Ah. And there is a mechanic like miracle for that. Okay. Some cards have this ability called prophecy. If you draw them when your rune stone breaks, you can play it for free. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that idea. It has a built-in <laughs> catch-up mechanic. 
I, uh, by the way, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy, but, uh, that's a mechanic from Duel Masters too. Uh, fuck is Duel Masters? The Duel oh. Masters is a small port town off the coast of Kathmandu. Is that the other, uh, Wizards of the Coast, is that the Wizards of the Coast game that they got the idea for Meld from for Magic? Yeah, du- Duel Masters is a <laughs> game that originally Wizards of the Coast made to be a... Uh, a simplified version of Yu-Gi-Oh for a Japanese tie-in show, and then Duel Masters wound up becoming so outrageously successful and only in Japan that it's basically the second stringer to Yu-Gi-Oh in Japan. And if you know how much money Yu-Gi-Oh generates, that's not a small place. That's not a bad place to be. Wow, I thought it just vanished without a... It vanished from the West. Yeah. We didn't care. <laughs> so it got big in Japan. It That's got cool huge for them. in Japan. It, it, like, the TV series stopped being dubbed in English. It's because it was garbage. And it's just continued on in Japan. And Aggressive garbage. And Duel Masters has breathtakingly weird mechanics like triple-sided cards. How do you even? They unfold. But they unfold. Oh, we've talked about this before. Yeah, they're really it's cool. It's basically a, basically a trifold card. Yeah. And the, like, the first side is completely folded up. The second side is you untuck one flap, flap of it. And then... and then... And then you flip it over for the third side. Yeah. And it's... It, it, it is... Like, those cards don't even go into your deck. They sit near your deck, and they are summoned by magic rituals. Well, yeah, because you're not going to be able to shuffle them inconspicuously. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it's it's a genuinely interesting game. It's just not very popular, and I like the fact that its mechanics are being used in other games, because this is, this is cool. This is how we get better games. This is how we get more and more interesting games. We take ideas from other places. Sure. I will, I mostly will say Hearthstone, that right? The, yeah, mostly Hearthstone. Uh, the, the story mode for, for Eldritch Scrolls Legends, uh, kind of weird. Um, there are moral choices in your card game. Huh? That, that affect your cards. Is this like um, kill all the dragons, don't kill all the dragons? Kind of. Um, like one of them is, uh, you've fought off a pack of wolves, but there's a wolf puppy. You have two choices. You have the correct choice, adopt the wolf puppy. Obviously. Or the incorrect choice, which is, um, throw the wolf puppy off a waterfall. That's needlessly elaborate. Fudge. Like if you're gonna kill a puppy, that... you should have to take responsibility. And the choice you make decides what card you add to your collection for that unlocked stage. Huh. It's really weird. Interesting. Like the the first one first time I ran into one of these choices was like, okay, do you spare the do you spare the bandit or do you execute the bandit? And it's like, well, if you spare him you get this like tiny buff or something, like this minor enhancement spell. And if you kill him you get like this other like removal spell or whatever. No big deal. But then all of a sudden it's adopt a puppy or throw the puppy off a waterfall. I cannot possibly get how that follows through. Like Well, if you through. throw the puppy off the waterfall, the card you get is essentially unsummon. Okay. And that's, okay, that's what makes it a hard summon. choice. <laughs> that's what makes it a hard choice. Because the card because you would get that's a really for good card. <laughs> yeah, but the alternative is a puppy. That is bullshit. <laughs> that's why I took the puppy. All right, then. Now, I made the correct choice. You did, Jab. That's a good job. Now, Feel any- proud. Does anyone have anything else they want to do? Can we jump on to yes. retro gaming news? No. Okay, then. Fuck. I've only talked about one of the games I've been playing this week. Okay, so you gotta you gotta realize it's been like six weeks since Fox has been on one of these. <laughs> yes. All right, it's true. Now, okay, snapping in. And what about you, Fox? Any other games you've been playing this week? Since you mentioned, did you just did you, just, did you snap in without snapping? He did. He snapped it. Yeah, he just said snap in. <laughs> God, fuck, damn it. Okay, everybody, snap. Snapping, snapping in now. 
So, Fox, what about you? You've been playing any other games? Yes, since you mentioned it. I believe that Jeb is right now trying to propose a street battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you see, Pokemon comes in many forms. Scootily. Uh, no, I can't do this. <laughs> I am way too white. Scootily skip. And I have never, ever been cool. Beat bop. Which is probably... I'm just going to keep blocking you here because I refuse to respond to scatting. <laughs> But yes. Look, this is not that kind of podcast. Ew. <laughs> ah. yeah. yeah, thanks for that. Anyway, Fox, yes. other types of Pokemon. See, I was trying to lead into this because uh, Pokemon comes in many forms and I have never been cool, which is why I have once again been playing a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game. Ah. ah which are for massive nerds. Yep. Massive nerds. <laughs> Who can ignore how incredibly stupid the stories in Pokemon Mystery Dungeon are because the tiny monster feels is so endearing. It's, uh, it, it is a lot like, uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games are the games that Pokemon nerds make fun of for being too <laughs> obtuse. While well, secretly obtuse. playing them, <laughs> yeah. while secretly playing them in in the privacy of their own homes, in their shame closets, obtuse is the wrong word. They're they're just stupid. Okay. <laughs> like, that well, I mean, they're not particularly mechanically dense or anything. If you're comfortable with the idea of a roguelike where movement is dependent on your movement. That's really the only concept here. Aside from that, it's just pretty much a dungeon crawler. Um, uh, mm, duh. There's a lot about it I'd like to say that I can't possibly say without spoilering. Radio, You really enjoyed it? I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially the resolution of the core plot this time around is very... It, it, in the way that Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games tend to do, and I'm never sure if it's by accident or not, it actually kind of addresses something that we're terrible at addressing, uh, both in fiction and in real life, and is just kind of chill with it. And I, once again, I can't share it without spoiling it, but uh, it, it's really interesting, and I'd love to uh, lead people to experience that. It has a moment where I believe your beloved offsider jumps up and down and says, Yes, praise me more. <laughs> Yes, the the partner Pokemon is kind of great. They they start off being super annoying, but uh, as long as you're okay with the the hyper sidekick, they're extremely endearing by the end of it. And if I recall correctly, in your case, you had a Smugleaf. Smugleaf, <laughs> yes, who works the good Pokemon. Yes. yes, the good Pokemon. Now imagine oh, a. Smugleaf. I wouldn't say that too loudly because my main was Riolu, who's apparently the crap choice. Imagine a Smugleaf jumping Smugleaf. up and down, waving its little arms, going, "Yes, praise me more." <laughs> yeah, you've of adjusted the tone there, haven't you? <laughs> yes, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really sweet game, uh, and a game with a lot of concepts that don't get addressed enough. Also, because we, like, trampled all over you with the Pokemon Go stuff. Uh, Was there anything else you wanted to say about that? I'm getting such a look, (laughs) the listener. I wasn't even looking at him. I was looking off to the side and pouting like a wombat. (laughs) Yes. That's not going to make any sense to people who aren't familiar with the muddle-headed wombat. It's true. Y'all should read those books. They are superb. Pokemon Go. Pokemon Pokemon Go. Go. Focus. Eyes on the prize. More specifically, uh, Lemon Go, which people will know about if they have happened to run across my Twitter feed at some point, because uh, I was inspired by someone else's posts to let Autospell name my Pokemon for me, <laughs> which has been fucking magical. Uh, I've tried that, and all I ever get is, like, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> you need one that makes more than one suggestion, so you have a little bit of variety. 
I get about three choices for mine. See, I think the problem I have is that, like, SwiftKey, I think, just has all the Pokemon. (laughs) This was a problem with a couple of Pokemon for me, and I just picked the next word in the row. Like, funnily enough, it it knew what uh, an Electrode was. (laughs) Well, obviously, yeah. Yes. Um, But uh, this has led to things like the Nidorino named Mussolini. (laughs) And, of course, the Charmancer called Cybermancer. And uh, I believe a Golbat just called Gilbert. <laughs> no, uh, his na- his name is Sunday. Oh. The- no, wait, his name is Today. The oh. Zubat came out as Sunday, and then the Golbat came out as Today. So <laughs> I- that's a type of evolution, I guess. I guess it is. <laughs> I mean, Today is Sunday, so... <laughs> it's uh, what today eventually becomes, sun- well, Sunday eventually becomes today. Yeah. In, deep, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> deep Confucian philosophy right here, <laughs> as expressed through cartoon bats. Certainly, yes. And is there the good point to go? <laughs> um. Well, this has made the game bizarrely interesting, because, of course, I have been playing Pokemon since Red and Blue, and I know all these like the back of my hand, which has made it quite fun to have this element of mystery about it. Like, yeah. now it's not so much about, ooh, what could that silhouette be? I bet it's a really cool monster. Now it's, well, you know, that's an Abra, but I can't wait to find out what stupid name my phone gives to it. (laughs) (laughs) This is why there is another rule. You're not allowed to test until you catch the thing. It's a lot of fun. I recommend it if you're super familiar with Pokemon and a little bored of picking names. All right, then. So, Fox, what's a, what's a, what's a good word of the Atelier games to start with? Because I have a chance to play three of them. Ooh. Um, Goosh. <laughs> they're, bro- they're, they're, uh, the three are Eska and, Lo- es- Eska and Loji. I think Rorona and Daish, I think, are the three I have the chance to play. Uh, hmm. Those are the three I played the most of, so there you go. Um, I... Hmm. Is it the remake of Rorona or the original? Re- Remake. That's probably pretty good too. Um, Esker and Loji is my favorite. Uh, I just like the mechanics better. That was the first time I really got a good grip on the, you know, how to do the alchemy and transfer the properties and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might just be because I got lucky with some early game stuff and I could make powerful items or something. Plus, the characters are better. They're just better. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, Aisha's also, like, it's just really sweet and cute. But the time limit thing I found to be really punishing. That's probably because I didn't understand the systems very well, and other people might not have that kind of problem. Uh, okay. But they're all pretty rewarding. Rorona would be my least favorite because I don't like Rorona very much. All right. Just the character. Ah, she bothers me. Radio. Um. And that's it for our segment. Yeah. That, that was that was a bonus segment on where to start. <laughs> next next week I'll tell you about PlayStation Now. Who is it the the remake of Rorona with the Chibi characters? I don't know. Cause that I would hella play. And now it's time for retro gaming news special. Oh, I what do you mean I can't use that word? Anyway, special edition. Brought to you by Barrel. We have three possible years to use for our special, uh, anyway, edition of Retro Gaming News, and it's up to you two to pick. 2004, 2008, or 2012. And the toss, and it's heads. Jeb. Those are, those, those are all Summer Olympics, right? Yes. What the fuck do I care? <laughs> I declare it 2012. All right then, in which case, first up... I have time powers! <laughs> <laughs> Before we before we move on to what what is in 2012, I'm just going to tell you the stuff that you missed because we didn't go to 2004. The release of Doom 3, Astro Boy, and the Starsky and Hutch GameCube game. I probably could have gotten Astro Boy. And in 2008, we missed 
the Hannah Montana tie-in game. Fuck! I just want you to know, Jeb, if this works out badly for me, I will play the race card. <laughs> First up, we have a game inexplicably released by someone I have fondness for, Deep Silver, that is a game I find absolutely awful. It's an <laughs> Unreal Engine step platformer which is about zombies. And you find serial killers' names all over the place. Ah, shit, I don't know what it's called. It's the side-scrolling one that you played quite a lot of. And at the end you were like, oh, God, what a surprise. <laughs> I remember what it's called, though. It's like Dead Zone or Dead... You, you, yeah, it's, it's called Deadlight. Deadlight. And, and I love this note on the Wikipedia page. This article is about the 2012 video game. For the 1996 Gehenna EP, see Deadlights. For the 2007 <laughs> Before the Dawn album, see Before the Dawn, brackets, band, Deadlight. For other disambiguations, see the disambiguation page. I guess this is a popular bit of phrase. Uh, I will also, you know, trivia about Deadlight, a turgid little mess of a game. Uh, this game was nominated <laughs> cool. for Best Debut Game. At the British Academy Game Awards, mm. it lost. To what? The Unfinished Swan. I don't know that one. Oh, it's a good one. Next up, we have an ARG tie-in to a 30-year-old franchise. In my brain, it's just loom. Uh, Wait, Pokemon? Pokemon? It's, well, it's like Pokemon Go if it was tied to a different franchise, which involves finding things in your everyday life around you and pulling them into traps so that you can keep them contained. I, it's not Pokemon Dream Raider? No, it's not Pokemon Dream Ghostbusters? It is, in fact, Ghostbusters Paranormal Blast. They made an ARG Ghostbusters game? Yes, they That's did. That's really cool. Yes. Yes, and it casts you as a Ghostbuster, and it apparently has balance issues because as a free-to-play game, it wants you to keep investing in currency, mm. but the thing it's giving you for catching ghosts is its in-universe dollars. So yeah. one of the ways you can continue this game is by paying it dollars to give you dollars, which just doesn't feel right. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably why everyone, 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 everyone calls them gems. Next up, we have a puzzle tower defense game that really, it's about the tower. And it doesn't have a good grasp on the mythology it's touching on. Uh, it's for Windows. It has also been ported to mobile devices. It's based in uh, what my family would consider history. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, obviously it's the Tower of Babel. Like yes. It's... With yes. that description. But I have no idea what that could be. It's a game called Babel Rising. Okay. Which seems to think that the Tower of Babel was made by Babylonians. And it was stopped. Well, it sounds similar. And it was stopped by the Great Flood. Okay. That, uh, well, that's, uh, I mean, uh, your timeline there is interesting. Close enough. And what you're doing is you are running up and down the Tower of Babel trying to leave it alone long enough that God will destroy it whilst you're keeping soldiers from destroying it. What? It's a little confused, eh? <gasps> um, honestly, God, the game looks really good. Who are you playing? Some guy. Anyway, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Steve. It's a fucking callback, that is. Yep. You say niche jokes are bad. <laughs> Next up, we have a Atlas and Arc system game that is a let's say, let's say a slight break from the other genres they normally do. Uh, oh, hang on, Arc system. Mm-hmm. It's not an Inazuma game. Um, no, it's not Inazuma. No. Uh, it's, it is related, however, to a big franchise that Atlas has access to. Uh, this game was on... Oh, hide, light, go. <laughs> it was on the arcade, the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360. Uh, was remarked for having particularly excellent animations and non-conventional gameplay styles for its game type. 
Uh, like it uses the. What was its game type? Uh, it was a fighting game, and that just gives it all away. It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, okay. I don't know what Atlas would have done with a fight game. No, it's Persona Four Arena. Oh shit! Yeah, uh, that's fine. Of course. Next up, on the note of tie-in games, we have an anime fight game that is weirdly appropriate to now, but not to 2012. Uh, now? JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Yes, indeed. It was the PlayStation <laughs> Network release of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the video game, which is based off the 1988 anime of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure OAVs. Beautiful. I've watched them. They're pretty fucked up. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. D- back Which on the As opposed to the recent release of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the uh, beat-em-up game that has recently released two current generation consoles based on the recent JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> yep. Speaking of something that's kind of JoJo's-flavored, despite not being in JoJo's, Persona 4 Arena again. Have you have you seen Kenji's weapon? No. His weapon is a folding chair. Nice! <laughs> just straight comes on with that slung over his shoulder, slaps you around with it, and I believe he throws it away for certain attacks. Hmm. It's that game is beautifully animated. There's a character. There, there's a there's a there's a wrestler character in Skullgirls who who does that with a folding chair as well. Nice. <laughs> So next, Skullgirls is really good, by the way. <laughs> next up, we have a tie-in game for a movie that was almost universally panned, and therefore it's released on every every single uh, platform. <laughs> um, actually, to my surprise, I I did not know this. Looking at this, but I actually am friends with one of the developers for one of the versions of this game. This game came out on the Nintendo DS, the 3DS, the PlayStation 3, the Wii, the Xbox 360, the Android, the iOS, Microsoft Windows, Wii U, BlackBerry 10. Wow. PlayStation Vita, Windows Phone 8, mobile, in generic quotation marks. But not the Ouya. <laughs> Baby's Day Out. Can you... Uh, Which hint- was surprisingly popular in, in Japan. Can you hint at the genre of the film property? Oh, it's a superhero film. Oh, uh, Green Lantern. Nope. Ah. Nope, 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 nope. Wrong studio. Universally panned, and it's Marvel. Catwoman? That was, curiously, in the year we didn't do, Catwoman was there. Oh, uh, uh, Elektra. Nope. Ah. It's a very popular superhero, in fact. Like, oh god, Wolverine Origins. Nope. Nope, nope. Right studio. Uh, Steve? (laughs) Peter. (laughs) Super Steve. It's Peter Parker. Oh. Oh. Spiderman. Yes, it's the amazing Spider-Man 2012. Oh. Uh, where, by the way, mm. in this one, Spider-Man has fingerless gloves <laughs> over his gloves. Let's accept over his gloves. Yeah. You don't, mm. don't yes. make fingerless gloves, damn it. Stop making them wank. Uh, it, it was developed by Gameloft, Beanox, and Other Ocean Interactive. Um, Other Ocean Interactive, I'm friends with one of the people who works there. Right, right. It's just... Just something that surprised me. I didn't know this. Um, other ocean, not to be confused with that other ocean. Yes. <laughs> uh, though, curiously... Uh, the... I didn't realize how long I've been waiting to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the game was fine. The movie was not. Next up, we have a indie 2.5D puzzle platformer uh, physics game developed by Talawa Games and published by Teotl Studios. Released on the 9th of August for Windows, available for iOS, Steam, GOG, Gamersgate, On Live Rain, Desira, and on the App Store. Wow, Desira. That was that was a while ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yep. Rock of Ages? 
Uh, no, not Rock of Ages. Uh, I got nothing. Uh, you play a flying character. It, okay. it explicitly says it focused on accessible controls in order to avoid excluding players. Fairy? No, a game called Unmechanical. I've oh. never heard of it. Yeah, which is just this... Wait, who'd you say it was by? It was by Talawa Games and published by Teotl Studios. Uh, Grip Games. Who's the, who's, who's the, like, who's the director or producer? Well, that information isn't here, and Talawa Games don't have a Wikipedia page. Because... You think you know the guy, as it were? <clears throat> I'm trying to think if it's... If hey, the Canadian team to... is cheating. He's clearly using Google. <laughs> oh, I'm just curious if this is, if this is related to... Um, oh, Christ almighty, what's the game called? The Wadget I one. Anyway, we'll move on. Nope, they're, uh, nope, they're not related to uh, Machinarium. Okay. Yep. Alright. That's from the people who made the ball. Ah! We have another movie tie-in game. This time for a game where the core cast has a combined age near 400. Did they make a Twilight video game? No, this is the actors, not the characters. Oh, did they make a red video game? Because <laughs> that oh would my... be all over that shit. Oh my god, I would be down for a red video game. No, no, but a different franchise about all... We're not talking about Pokemon again. No. Is it the Expendables video game? It's the Expendables 2! Wow, Red Show was great, huh? <laughs> there should be more of that. You'd say that of any movie that features Helen Mirren gunning motherfuckers down. Especially if those motherfuckers are in the Expendables. <laughs> But yes, this was published by Ubisoft for the PC, PlayStation Network, and Xbox Live Arcade, released on July 31st, 2012, and it doesn't have a review page, and the <laughs> product doesn't have a Wikipedia page. It is a footnote on the movie franchise. Yeah, well, you're gonna get that. We have another tie-in for a franchise. <laughs> and in this case, oh, it's a game... tie-in hell again. We're in tie-in... Well, this is tie-in heck. It's not so bad. This is the freestyle tie-in. <laughs> Uh, in this case, the tie-in is for a 1980s cartoon property that has endured persistently since then. Um, it is, in this case, it is a reimagining of the franchise just for this game. Just for this game? Just, just for, this, for this game? Well, for this game and its sequels. I mean, it's not like this 80s property had a remake and then they made a video game to tie in with that. Like, no. it's not Thundercats or something like that. No, no, no. It's, it's a matter of this game has gotten a couple of reimaginings and a couple of new games. This, this franchise has gotten a couple of different iterations. This is its own unique iteration just for the game. Hmm. Rather than, like, we, we relaunched the series, make a game for it. Uh, it's a third-person shooter video game. It's developed by High Moon Studios and published by Activision. It's the sequel to a 2010 game. This, 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 this is uh, one of the Fall of, Fall of Cybertron games. Well done. In fact, it is Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Oh, yeah. That had its own version for this, didn't it? Yes, indeed it did. In fact, for, for a while, there were two separate reboots of the Transformers franchise releasing video games. Yep. Can I break Grimlock in a fight game yet? Uh... No, but you can play Grimlock in a Platinum Sorry, game. Yeah, you can play you can play him in Devastation, which is basically the same thing. Oh yeah, you can do things other than fight, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> but why would you? You're Grimlock. Sweet. I gotta get my hands on this shit if it's out. I've, I've got I've it. Been hanging out for. Oh God! Grimlock tell me these Dutch. things. Sorry. Your Steam library is my treasure trove. <laughs> Seriously, I got like seven Steam games, <laughs> and the rest is just you have access to Talon's library. <laughs> Gimme. All right. 
Next up, we have a sequel to a game that it, it so badly wanted to be part of a quadrilogy. It it so badly did. They set it up of like the first game's about this one character from a group of four, and the second game about is about the second character oh, from the group oh, of four. Uh, this and, is the second one. Yes. Uh, Dark Side is two. Yes. And then THQ folded up. Oops. Yeah. Uh, but they're coming back. Yeah. I'm so disappointed we didn't get to see their next horribly over-designed main character. I'm kind of fond of THQ, alright? <laughs> I'm kind of fond of THQ. I'm not kind of fond of the Darksiders main characters. Mm. A lot of the side characters are kind of neat. Yep. But just every time the doofus they choose for you to play. <laughs> ah. Next up, we have a Project Rainfall game being released in the West. The White yeah. Knight. Dark Tower. No, no, the other one. Uh, last Story. Yeah, that one. Which yeah. coincidentally wound up being basically the last big release on the Wii, so that kind of works. <laughs> Talon, you missed the chance to say the last big Wii release. I'm classier than that. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're so not. Next up, we have a fantasy adventure video game released on August 14th, 2012 on the PlayStation 3 via the PlayStation Network and subsequently on Windows through Steam, it follows a young Brazilian boy Ooh. running through a favela. Really good. Yes. Running through a favela with... Well, a, a dreamlike favela this is, with a pet this monster. Is pa- this is Paponio. Yeah, Paponio. Okay. I probably need to get that. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, do you like to cry? Yeah, it is definitely a prepare-to-cry game. Not so much. I don't like crying if I can fix it. Yep. Otherwise, no. Mm. Mm. Ah, oh dear. Mm. Oh. Mm. Oh. Stop telling me about it then. Yep, moving on. Mm. I don't need to know. Save if, the wolf if, puppy. If, if, if you like a game that is going to make you cry, you need to play Paponio. Mm-hmm. It is that excellently created and written and presented. So. That's all I'm going to say about it. Next up, we have an interesting example of, of a game with a, with a name that wound up being ironic in a good way. This game was going to be a sequel to an extended franchise, and when the money petered out for that, and the game still managed to limp over the line, it instead got a digital release. This is a game that basically started with a great big scale and was constantly scaled down, and it could have been cancelled at any point, but the people who made it really fucking loved what they were doing and managed to get it out. It is a during a generational period where every protagonist was a white guy. Your protagonist isn't a white guy. Um... It was an open world game. It used conflicting morality systems. It let you bash someone's face with a bike. Um, a bike, like a bicycle. Uh, this game had... Is this... Hmm? Yakuza 3? Oh, wrong country's criminal element. Mafia? No, but you're still in Asia. Wait, Mafia, Mafia is, is not in Asia. Sweetie. No, 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 no. Like the game is still in Asia. No, so not. Mafia. Oh, oh, this is uh, this, this is Sleeping Dogs. This is Sleeping Dogs. All right, that's Triads, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when you when you talk about bashing someone with a bicycle, no, that's that's nothing. <laughs> I was gearing up. Sleeping dog, sleeping dogs. You can you can grab someone and throw them face first into a grill. Yep. And turn it on. Yep. You can be a vicious bastard in Sleeping Dogs. Uh, Sleeping Dogs is also really cool because, uh, unlike most open world crimes games, 
Um, there's not much gunplay. Yeah, the the heavily regulated nature of Hong Kong most... and guns means that like I, I like this as a world as a no, world it's note. no, it's more uh, it's more uh, you're really good at kung fu. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, this leads to because that they of... have lots of guns. Yeah, true. The baddies have, but lots you of guns. are the god of kung fu. <laughs> Sleeping Dogs is a game that almost didn't come out like five times, and when it finally did, they they really didn't expect anything to come of it, and it has since had two re-releases. It is a really well-loved game at this point, and it has made quite a lot of money just by dint of existing. It, it's got it's benefited from the long tail in a big way. Um, what was it going to be a sequel to originally? It was part of the true crime franchise. Mm-hmm. And is I mean. It- it's, I don't know that aside from being a uh, television program. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The previous games were unremarkable then? Not unremarkable. Crime, they were average Grand Theft Auto clones. Yeah. And, and um, Sleeping Dogs also has the really neat uh, side effect that, like, of course, it's a Grand Theft Auto style game, so it has radio stations. Oh, yeah. They're Chinese radio stations. Yeah. Sweet. Playing Chinese music, <laughs> Chinese pop music, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's very cool. One of one of the things uh, about Sleeping Dogs that I really love is that um, the morality system in Sleeping Dogs doesn't try and be you push in one direction, it pushes you in the it pushes you away from the other direction. You have two bars to fill, and some actions do definitely diminish one while increasing the other. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't have yeah. an effect on either way, which further builds the idea that what you're doing is currying favor with various groups, which it's just so... We, we talk... when we, Whenever Saints Row comes up on the podcast, we talk about how Saints Row is the anarchic, fun parts of Grand Theft Auto breaking away and doing their own thing. Sleeping Dogs is the serious game Grand Theft Auto keeps wishing it was, and then... Doesn't have the balls to actually trifle? And then sarcastically pretends, oh no, I don't want yeah, that no, at all. I was, uh, trying to do stuff, caring about things, that's lame. <laughs> but I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah, L- literally, you can you can view those games in it as a spectrum. And Sleeping Dogs is really good. Uh, Sleeping, Sleeping Dogs, Dogs is also really bright. Yeah, it looks amazing <laughs> because these are the streets of Hong Kong. Yes, oh, right. So everything's Fucking neon, neon everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It's Beautiful. And like if you're playing the if you're playing the PC version, at least uh, the streets are fucking packed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know what occurs to me? A morality system in a video game actually makes a lot more sense if it's about how things perceive you. Yeah. Because like, at that mm-hmm. point, you're never confronted by the logic of, uh, you know, uh, this. you could just be acting this way because you know it's going to increase the bar. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what the system says, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in Sleeping Dogs, the, 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 the bars you fill up are both for... Punching people better. Mm-hmm. So you want to increase those because <laughs> you'll be able to punch people better. Well, right. they make you better. Also, yeah. also, also, it's not like uh, it's not like um, it's not like the the two sides that are representative represented are either of them good. Because okay, spoilers, but they're the criminals and the police. Yeah, like the the, the the tongs and the police. Spoilers, the police are not good guys. Yeah, yeah. Fucking spoiler. (laughs) Shock and horror, uh, the the true crime series, has a somewhat cynical view of law enforcement. (laughs) You you say they sent in a guy who will ram people's faces into grills. Yeah. (laughs) They are blackmailing the guy. (laughs) 
who will ram people's face first into grills, who will toss people down air air intake shafts. <laughs> I'd definitely do that before I'd ram someone's face into a grill and turn it on. One of them is sadistic, the other one is just kind of funny. I think there's a wood chipper or two in the game. <laughs> there's a there's a point where you can shove someone's face into an air conditioner and then kick it to rev the fan. That doesn't seem like it would work. It's one of those rooftop air conditioners. So you like smash their face down. Oh, like the... an industrial one. It's, yeah. yeah. It's also a Hong Kong action movie. So Yeah. Uh, good point. It, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's entirely too blackmail. practical for this. Being this is the person that they're trying to blackmail. Almost every fan I've ever encountered. This is the person that the the British cops, by the way, are trying to blackmail. <laughs> yeah, there are British. Co- oh, right, Hong Kong. It's Hong Kong. Yeah, uh-huh, I didn't think of that. That's quite interesting. <laughs> they're they're trying to blackmail this man. Um, spoilers doesn't go well. Does not go well. Next up, we have an exploration platformer for furries made by one person. Ah, dust, dust. Moving on, an Elysian tale. <laughs> we have. Um, it's quite good. I think we've spoken about it on this podcast before, because yeah. both Jeb and I have it particularly is, high opinions of it. Yeah. It, it, it is quite good. It is really well drawn. And it's been re-released a couple of times, so it comes up from month to month, like, you know, this is that release of it kind of thing. So, yeah, we've had a <laughs> yeah. chance, a couple, we had a couple of chances to talk about it. Yeah. In fact, games like Dust are actually part of why I'm quite comfortable not uh, not pruning these lists very aggressively, because it's a chance to go like, hey, yeah, Dust. Dust is still really <laughs> that good. That again, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we have a Nintendo property. We have, really, we have THE Nintendo property. It's a Mario game? It's oh. a Mario game. Which one? Super Mario Brothers Mario, Sonic at, Mario and Sonic at the, no. uh, the London Games. No, they didn't come out yeah, in August. Mar- it's about Mario and Sonic were at the Olympic Games. Yeah. And they play in Olympic Games against each other. <laughs> and they they win medals while, while Sonic <laughs> tries to Mario collect the Olympic wins. rings. Alright. Next up, we have a... Alright, so... I just, I just, but, oh, I, seriously, I just, though, which, which Mario was it? That was Super Mario Bros. 2 on the 3DS. Oh. Now, that That's said, it. I this, this upcoming game, um, I'll go on Fox. I just want to say, Mario would win in two events, shooting and equestrian. Is that because he's American? No, it's because he rides things and throws fireballs. Everything else, he's fucked. <laughs> Has thumbs. Anyway, um... Next up, now, I know it, it is super easy and quite fun to bag on this developer, but this is a game I really wanted to be good. Uh, and I think it has a good idea. I think it's kind of cool, but um, it, so is it Molyneux or me? Jonathan Blow? Uh, it's neither. Is it remember <gasps> me? It's not Remember Me. This is a double fine productions game. Oh, oh, this is the cave. No, it's a no? hybrid tower defense and third person shooter game set in World War One in an alternate reality. Oh, uh, Iron Core, Iron Brigade. Iron Brigade. And Iron Brigade's like original yeah. name was going to be Trenched. And was going to be a Kinect game or something? Yeah, it was going to be a Kinect game with this giant rig of controls around you and you were going to move your hands to pull levers and whatnot. And they found that the Kinect couldn't quite handle that. Uh, but, the, you know, and Trenched is on Steam. Sorry, Iron Brigade is on Steam. It's pretty cheap. You know? It exists. Requiring it exists. them to change their name to Semi-Fine yet. <laughs> All right. Just it's just fine. Mostly fine. All right. Uh, it could be a steady decline. You know, it's double fine. Then it's pretty fine. Then it's fine. Then it's mostly fine. Uh, this is also. I like how it's just like how I like how the the worse it gets, the closer it gets to just fine. The well, then you go into negatives. The the other other releases this month, a lot of them were to some extent or another phone releases of existing properties like Bastion and Psychonauts 
both came out this month on the iPhone. You can play those on phones? Yeah, I don't. Sure. I wow. don't know why you would play Bastion on a phone. I don't know why you play Psychonauts on a phone. Like, mm. the control system for that is kind of a big. Yeah. That's its main drawback. How could you possibly well, improve bad. that by having virtual buttons instead? <laughs> it's already bad. It's not going to get much worse. But there's also... It could get so much worse. But there's also a HD re-release of a skateboarding video game. Oh. No. In a franchise. I got nothing. Yes, it's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD. Well, which okay, is basically, I probably could have guessed it was a Tony Hawk, but which only is, because I don't know of any other skateboarding games. Which is basically Tony Hawk saying, I got nothing. <laughs> Finally, we have, in 2012, um, City of Heroes shut down. And that's also the year that uh, ArenaNet and NCSoft... Rumor has it repurposed several of those servers to reduce load on other MMOs they felt were more profitable. One of those MMOs launched in August. Secret World? Nope. That's a Funcom property. Same thing. Um, ArenaNet? Guild Wars 2? Guild Wars 2. And, um, yeah, I guess as disclosure, I'm also friends with the dev of this game. I think we're friends with a bunch of devs from this game, actually. I know a lot of. I, I'm. 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 I, I am. I am acquainted very well with a lot of people who worked on Guild Wars Two. Yeah. Well, I sort of vaguely know one of them, but I'm just. I'm distracted by Morning City of Heroes again. Yeah. And uh, as of August 2015, Guild Wars Two's base game is free to play. So that's nice. That's that's lovely. Why did I pay for it? <laughs> well, you know. Because you didn't know it would be free in three years' time. After it sold five million fucking units. I bought it last year. What? <laughs> Damn. Anyway, having now, I bought, it last, I, I bought it last year to play with friends and found out that you have to choose oh. between North America and Europe. Oh, dang. Huh. Well, that's a big shift from Guild Wars One. That's disappointing. Hmm. Having thoroughly brought the mood of things down now by invoking City of Heroes, I'm very sorry. Uh, I don't miss it at all. It's all the podcast I want to have to edit. Uh, ha, ha, ha. It's because you know nothing, Jeb Wrench. <laughs> As ever always, that was Fox. That was Jeb. <laughs> and that was a kangaroo rhinoceros in space?